Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dinner time is here. That's right, we're talking about episode three of Hannibal Potage on Dish by Dish. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. Your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from some cabin in the woods in Minnesota. This is Dish by Dish, the Kill by Kill Hannibal Rewatch Project. And uh, as always, there's only one person I trust that if I'm going to uh, sick her after a serial killer's daughter, I'll chat her up in a cafeteria first. The one, the only. Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I just wanted to say something be, before we proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, kill by kill here, we've had a, a long and rich history of mispronouncing people's names, often yes. getting those names wrong, mm-hmm. um, just generally uh, not doing our due diligence when it comes to making no. sure we're pronouncing <laughs> we, various... People don't come to us as experts, Gina. I think we've established this after four years. Sure. I, I figure, you know, we're in the third episode. I should make sure I know how to pronounce the man's name. It is Mass Mickelson. Okay. M A. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what happened to that D. Is that mysterious, like silent D? <laughs> yeah. Um It's Mass Mickelson. Okay. Well, he's only Hannibal to me here, so we don't we don't have to worry about his I mean, his he, reality because all I all I am centered on is his delicious delicious fantasy. I was gonna say he he's bone structure McGee to me. <laughs> And he's he's also like a shark because he, he tends not to blink. Or if he does, he's blinking for a specific reason. I mean, the amount of control that he is bringing to this particular role is astounding. It, it, everything has a purpose. And I think this is the episode where you really begin to see how this is more than just a, oh, we're going to tell you how Hannibal Lecter got to be Hannibal Lecter. Like, you kind of know that to a certain degree or it just doesn't matter either one the more fun element here is what was Hannibal Lecter like when no one knew he was Hannibal Lecter right and the the no blinking thing that that is presumably lifted from Anthony Hopkins performance because he famously in Silence of the Lambs never blinks Aha. And, and it's very disconcerting it, it's, it's something <laughs> you don't notice upon the first time you watch it and mm. then when you know it you keep trying to like you know catch him doing it <laughs> and it's like nope by god he made that entire movie without blinking <laughs> and the camera's all up in his face too i mean there's yeah that, well like, uh, i feel like what uh mass uh-huh mickelson mm. is uh is is doing here is he's, mm-hmm. he's doing a a a perfect amalgamum of Anthony Hopkins and Brian Cox's performances with his own kind of weird energy added to it. Sure. Like one thing you've read, you've read again, we established you, you have read at least some of the books in this series, right? Yes. I have read everything but Hannibal rising. Well, yeah, you can say that one. You can, you can just throw that, you can just throw that right in the trash. Um, (laughs) but it's interesting. Thomas Harris is a very interesting way of describing Hannibal Lecter. 
mm-hmm. by claiming that his eyes are like goat size <laughs> and like and like that they're <laughs> that they're purple and and like they're you know he kind of makes them sound a little inhuman. Mm-hmm. Whereas the way uh, all three of these actors play him, it's kind of more reptilian, right? Where like he's very you know he's kind of you know effectless and and his eyes are a little bit dead and and he's just sort of constantly sizing you up. They and, take the element of uh, someone who is cold blooded, right? Not just figuratively, but trying to make it literal that he you know suns himself in the glory of what he does that you know he is very selective with whom he kills he's selective with whom he congregates with he's calculating and in this particular episode you really get to see how he can situate himself within this circumstance in a place that is legitimately dangerous for him and at one point he says this is dangerous, what I'm doing right now. And he, you know, almost feigns vulnerability. But it's all in the service of stirring the particular pot that is in front of him, a potage, if you will, uh-huh. uh, in his direction. Uh-huh. Oh, this episode is fucking deep. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was going to make some sort of joke of how he's like looking at people and picturing them turning into like a cheeseburger or a hot dog, like like an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> but it's a little it's a little more classy and elegant than that. I mean, he uh, there is part of him that is doing that. That is for sure. And I would love it if at one point he would look at somebody and they would just become a talking hamburger with a hat on. <laughs> Like in Looney Tunes cartoons, <laughs> that would be fantastic. He just talking, it would talking to Will Graham. Will Graham's leg turns into a chicken leg. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, salivation coming out of his mouth and a constant you know he's, roaring he's, drip. Him, he's, he's tying, he's tying the tie the, the, the bib <laughs> the comical knife and fork. <laughs> rubbing a knife and fork together to the point where they make sparks. Yeah, yeah, sure, that would be great. Who wouldn't want that? Um, but without introducing a killer of the week here, necessarily, it, it, it honestly, in a way, it does, but not in the way you think. Well, it, it digs into the biggest villain of the of the series, Freddie yes. Lowndes. <laughs> oh my god! And t- to a cartoonish fucking degree. Again, in the last episode, we sort of regretted how freddy is portrayed and i don't think it gets any better here they're doubling down on this idea that freddy lowns just will fuck with shit like she is the joker in this particular yeah I, I was gonna say i was gonna say in 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 like the book and the movies he's just kind of a opportunistic scumbag and, yeah, I mean, he, and, just, he, he just wants bad a, things to happen, a, so he'll write about it. But he does not intentionally. He, he, yeah, that he I remember. He, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like set things in motion. He just kind right. of you know reaps the benefits of of terrible things happening to other people. But it's just Freddy a bad here, business idea. She's just she's just evil. <laughs> she she's, is, ta- oh, she's, she's malevolent. Fucking god awful. I mean, at one point, um, and as far as plot goes, this 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 particular thing doesn't have a ton of plot necessarily. Abigail wakes up, and there is a great debate as to whether or not Abigail was in, involved in the original murders. 
whether or not Abigail was the copycat murderer, whether or not Abigail was involved at all, and if asking her about any of those other things might cause her to do harm to herself and others, and um, all of those things happen. <laughs> and, and, and Jack Crawford's like, I don't care, I need to solve this case. Yeah, people need, are yelling need, at me, and I don't like it. You need you need to do emotionally torture this seventeen year old girl. <laughs> Just rake her over the coals because I got people yelling at me, and I don't like it when people yell at me. And uh, Freddie is there, both egging on every single side she possibly can, in order for no matter what happens, she'll be able to write about it. But you know, as I just said, it, it's it's a great dramatic device. It's a terrible in terms of character, uh, something that makes her seem stupid. And she would be the only stupid person who's in the main rotary rotary cast. She's cunning, but she's not smart. She's fucking dumb. And I can't remember if there's a point to her being dumb. Or I'm being overreactionary about it all, but when everyone else is smart, it really does kind of stand out. Yeah, and she's just, you know, but apparently she's smart enough to constantly be tricking people into, you know, yes, I'm a psychiatrist, yes, I, I'm this child's parent, you know, yes, I'm a police officer. I'm like, all right. You, know, you, you would think that, like, you know, apparently she's running this world famous. You know, Crime, true crime website has flaming red hair and and nobody seems to ever recognize her. Also, she yeah. apparently is a staff of one, which is which, <laughs> which is interesting. You would you would you would think that she would have more people to, you know, be her connections, you know, kind of kind of right. you know, work undercover for her. But nope, it's always her. She's constantly no, she's. With her, with her, you know, frequent mi flyer miles, presumably, is, is always right on the scene. What is her Google ad poll? Like, how many how many page views is she getting to be able to afford all of this? Because, again, just posting whatever the fuck you want on the internet doesn't necessarily pay. I think we all figured that one out, right? So right. she's I mean only getting page views here. Uh, it just, it feels like... Um, she's pulling from a, a source of income that we're not seeing. Yeah, and, I mean, and she you, can you, afford you, to pay off FBI uh, uh, agents in order to get inside information. I mean, maybe she ran like a you know, like a, uh, uh, oh God, what's that podcast called? It just flew out of my head. Um, the True Crime <laughs> Podcast. Jesus Christ! Uh, there's every true. That's every big, other podcast the, the, other the, than the, ours. The big one that has the all the like crazy fans attached to it. What is it called? Oh, well, I mean, there's my favorite murder. That's my favorite murder. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, if she has something like that. Maybe it'd be slightly more plausible. Yeah, but this yeah. Is, I mean, this is listen. If it, if it had been just running. a couple years later, tattle, whatever it's called. It would have been. It, it would have been. Tatler would have been a, a podcast. Yeah, sure. and or, or you know, her her website would be uh would be you know, bought by Kinja now or something. It'd be part of it'd be part, <laughs> be part of the the, the Onion Network. And oh and, and, and and you know uh, and you know her, her most frequent commenter is you know Ligma Balls sixty nine sixty nine. Well, he makes great points. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> 
like it sounds juvenile, but he's really he's really he's what, very why well I read him and why I like what he has to say is that he considers all points of view and really synthesizes his point into a very lick my balls sort of slant. I think people were afraid that we were going to be less funny when we talked about this. <laughs> Well, I, I'm 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 torn in in certain in a certain sense because I I I think um, the fear is and you know we've we've talked about this when we've talked about covering various movies like is this too good for us to make fun of and the truth is that Hannibal in a lot of ways is too good for us to make fun of so we've stopped making fun of it and just made fun of anything that's tangential to it well it's just and, a, it's just such an absurd premise for a show it should have never have worked no, we, it's a we, miracle we talked about this i think the first episode where where people said oh there's going to be a tv show about hannibal lecter like the yeah. young hannibal lecter chronicles and it's gonna be like oh. <laughs> no i mean that's the same thing that both i'm sure both you and i thought when you saw that cbs is going to have a show called clarice i still think oh. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it, it, it really does to depend on whether or not the people who are making that show have figured out a way to not just put a character named clarice who you know, had some things happen to her that everyone knows about into an actual show that you would want to watch. Now, I was very doubtful of Hannibal, but Hannibal created something that was unique, took those elements and created something that was, it's not like anything else that's really been on the air. And a lot of people have tried to do this since, and they come up very, very short for the most part. Well, it's, it's, it's very it's creepy it's gruesome but it's also kind of campy too which is which is yes. which is you know a, a very very difficult line to walk on it it takes itself seriously but it also takes may you know the camp element of it seriously like it, it's very intentional so when it goes in these grand directions and when they create these over the top moments and I about the only place it kind of falls apart in that realm so far has been Freddie Lowndes in retrospect. I don't know how I felt necessarily at the time, but then again, there there is a design here, right? It's we'll go back to Will Graham and the first, you know, his catchphrase. This is my design. There's a design at work in Hannibal. And so as long as it, you know, lays those tracks and then the train that rolls along it, you're having fun watching it. Like, who who can possibly complain? It's beautifully photographed. Everything looks like a billion dollars. And I don't know how much it costs, but it probably didn't cost a billion dollars. And... And all the characters are allowed to be unique. There's not a bunch of Will Grahams running around on television, both before this and after this. And a lot of people have tried. Oh, yeah. And this is one of the only, the whole series as a whole, you know, again, factoring in the books and movies, you know, they're, it's the only one that's really gotten that whole, you know, the killer and the criminal, the killer and the, and the cop are not all that different. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it's such a cliche that is not often borne out in real life. <laughs> I mean, there have been a, a, a few cases. A, a one famously uh, recently was the Golden State Killer, um, the one that yeah. uh, Patton Oswalt's late wife was investigating, who was a cop. Yeah. But generally speaking, you know. They do plenty of you know awful things you know aside, but most cops are not also serial killers. So, but this no. is something that you know, you know. Oh, they they you know only a cop can get inside the head of a serial killer. It's like can they though? <laughs> you know, I mean, well, I mean Becky not, not forced me to watch that. Them. See, Becky forced me to watch that uh, CBS show with the guy with the the dreamy hair. Um, uh, who like would he was like a carnival person who would who feigned at being uh telepathic oh, oh was, uh the, the blonde-haired guy um, yes yeah oh i forgot yeah i forgot that he's australian called, oh and God. he's a very tiny man but he's got very dreamy hair and, he, and he's got those like crazy like laser eyes like oh, the, yeah, yeah. Like they're really like bright bright blue eyes yeah i know yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about i can't remember the name of the show but i do i do recall the show itself <laughs> But, but yeah, like, it's just such a there's there's that version of this where the thing that you are good at isn't great. It turns out to be a terrible personal effect, but it turns out it's great at catching murderers. And it was like that old <laughs> USA thing where uh, whatever you did, you were so good at professionally made you a terrible person privately. And then you put it in. Miami. Oh, God, I, I, I hate that so much. And here it's just, you know, in here it's just, uh, um, you know, yeah, it it makes him a bad person to himself. You know, it, yes. it, it is taking a toll on him. He's not like this, like, you know, just this miserable asshole to everybody he has to work with. And, and it's just, it's, you know, it's breaking him. And, and I think it's, you know, a very realistic depiction of that. Yeah, he's he's haunted by it both when he's walking around and everyone can sense it. I mean, that's why Fred, part of why Freddie Lyons is like coming down on him and it's so easy for her to do it. Because if you have any interaction with Will Graham, you're like, well, that dude's fucking fucked up. <laughs> he's, he's seriously whacked out. He doesn't talk to people in a normal fashion. You, you kind of want to like, you kind of want to like give him a give him a hug while at the same time like slowly backing away from it. <laughs> you just want to give him like a, an air hug, like yeah, man, I, yeah. I get it, mm. it's okay, and like and then yeah. like you kind of you know gradually move back. You you want to give him the physical amount of an emoji on a phone, like oh, okay. <laughs> he he always looks like he's about to cry. And, yes. and and I don't mean that in like a you know you know in a mocking sort of way. He just looks that emotionally fragile. He's on the edge, and yeah, as and such, you know, and that's the big I think the 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 thing this particular episode is getting towards is that you have what the episode is a is supposed to be about, which is Abigail waking up after being in a coma. And having to deal with the repercussions of her home life. Her father was a serial killer. She later learns she probably ate his victims. And her throw pillows are made from their skin and hair. Yeah, her uh, her father was a uh, a, a big fan of, uh, of like, upcycling. 
Which is yes. an admirable quality if you don't mind, you know, a pillow made out of skin and hair. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Up until that point, she was perfectly fine with it. You know, um, re- reduce, reuse, recycle, baby. <laughs> That's right. And he has a mantra uh, eating, you know, and w- in the opening section, we see them and something that may have actually happened. Maybe a dream. We're not sure. But it appears to be Abigail going hunting with her father and then cleaning the deer that she has shot. And her father goes off on a little mini dialogue that uh, they will use every part of this deer, including eating her, because eating her is honoring her. And that comes back as a serious repercussion. It also should be noted that the grand debate in uh, the offices of the FBI between Hannibal, Alana, Will, and Crawford is the last thing we want to do is send her back to her own house for her to lapse into some sort of state where she either harms herself or harms someone else in some sort of weird recreation of her trauma. <laughs> That's exactly what fucking happened. Oh yeah, everybody just fucks us up so badly and, and <laughs> everyone yeah, fucks it up. And and like the the the, the element between Crawford and, and Graham here is is really interesting. And again, I, I'm going to keep doing it, but I apologize for continuously comparing this to the earlier movies and the book. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you can see that, that, that Mass Mickelson has taken a lot from the actors portraying Hannibal Lecter before him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Dancy just decided to do his entirely own thing with it. Oh, yeah. Where, because... You know, although, you know, Will Graham in Red Dragon and Manhunter, you know, was supposed to be post a, a, a violent encounter with Hannibal Lecter, neither of them really, like, played the character as fragile. You know, you got the sense that they were a little traumatized and, and you know, neither of them wanted to, you know, you know, be back on the case investigating, you know, another serial killer because it was, you know, it took an emotional toll on them. But they yeah. were still sort of very, uh, very stoic about it. You know, they 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 knew they knew they had a job to do, and they kind of you know just powered forward and and did it. And here There's it's just lot, like the attitude is like they're too old for this shit. Like right, oh, I, right, I right, right. I don't want to do this, but. You There's know, a they, killer out there, and, and I'm they, the only they, one who can solve this. And they both have, they both have, in both versions, they have a wife, he has a wife and a child. Here, he, he just has, he, he has no one but his dogs. Yeah. And, and, you know, those might be the only people, only beings he actually genuinely cares about, you know, in, in a way that he's able to express. You know, yes. I, I, you know, I, I don't mean to say that he doesn't care about Abigail, because he does. And, you know, and he's, you know, probably there are, you know, a small handful of other people he cares about, but he's unable to express that. Whereas yeah, his, I mean, they, because do- they have a they have an uncomplicated relationship. Right. And as such, he can house them and feed them and bathe them and protect them without ever fearing about looking at them and going, well, how would I take that dog apart? He, right. That's how he looks at people. And because they're never gonna like they're, to they're never gonna like question him or ask him what he's thinking about or or right. anything like that. 
And um, it kind of gives a new element to to Crawford because Crawford kind of bullies him in this. And and yes. he just really seems to have no time or patience for, you know, I mean, you know, he, he is told time and, time and time and time again by Alana Bloom, he can't handle this. Don't push him to do this. This is not good for him. This is not healthy and 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 Crawford's like bah, 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 I got a case to solve <laughs> I don't think we ever see and I might be wrong about this but I can't recall him ever having a scene where he's in a giant conference room with a bunch of other FBI people and like what the fuck is happening over there like you got like you got people talking to the press you've got people who are compromised you know you've got a phalanx of psychiatrists who all believe different things about every single murderer, you know, and it's taking forever and your airline miles are through the roof. Like what's going on <laughs> over there? Um, yeah. I, I, you thing, you get the thing, impression that he does. One, one thing I, I did find puzzling is I have, I, did I overlook or just you know, miss entirely why, even though the, the, uh, event took place in Minnesota why um Abigail was in a hospital in Baltimore um that's a very 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 good question other than the fact that the FBI are essentially <laughs> taking custody of her sure, but surely there's a branch of the FBI in Minnesota oh <laughs> I mean, no no it's, it's a it's a Minnesota small why would you need one it, it, Gina, it's a, get, let's get real come on the FBI it's a, it's a, is needed in Minnesota it's a small thing. I'm just like, well, that's weird. Why would they? Why would they do that? But anyway, yeah. Honestly, no, back to the only reason is to put that Chiron up. Of this is the psychiatric hospital whose name you know because eventually Hannibal Lecter is going to live there. Well, yes, that that's true. That, that there's that establishing moment. Yes, that that that's that's fair. Yes. I yeah, think that's but, really but, the only reason for this is to introduce the concept that oh. I know that place, but we're not going there for the reasons I remember. And he's he's playing your remembrances of those places and factors against you to subvert your expectations. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's a good explanation. I accept that. All right, but chalk one up. I finally <laughs> won Gina over to my side of the argument. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Everyone here, I again, I think potage is a very apt term for what happens in this episode. Because there's a scene where you have Crawford there with, with Graham and with Alana and with Hannibal. And all of them have very different motives here. Crawford needs Graham, so he puts him in, in, in situations to turn investigations to his advantage. Alana just out of her nature stirs the pot in a, in a different direction. It's like a defensive mechanism and she's doing it because she's got to save Will Graham. But let's be honest with you. Why, why is she so investigated in saving Will Graham? How does that help him or her career? That's all kind of left up in the air. And then you have Hannibal who is happy to let things simmer. Now, he will add ingredients or he will use a technique to create the sort of soup he wants in the end. But he also has a ten he's so facile that he'll uh, he'll try to edge other people into 
the actions that he wants to take place, but he allows other people to take the lead in how it happens. He never wants to be seen as the person who makes the decision. He just helps the person who makes the decision feel like, oh, this was the right decision. Yeah, and then when things go bad, he can be like, well, I just kind of went along with what you guys wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's manipulation. I mean, that's cl- yes. that's, that's classic manipulation. And, and, and he's know, in... And his foil here isn't the FBI, and it isn't Crawford, it isn't Alana, and it isn't Will. It is Freddie Lands because she becomes the fucking Joker, where she will do anything just to have something happen, and she doesn't care what you know how it helps her. In the end, is again, we don't want to go down that road, but essentially, she uh, you know alerts the copycat killer's brother that uh, Abigail has been set loose and says, oh, you might want to check that out. And so, of course, he shows up, the next door neighbor who looks exactly like Abigail. Weirdly yeah, that was, that was jarring. Yeah. Um, I was like, wait a minute, does she have a sister? What is this? Yeah, it's, you, it's obviously intentional. And, of course, it pays off in that regard because Hannibal sees that uh, this kid gets beamed in the head with a rock, covers it up, uses that DNA evidence to essentially point the FBI at this kid as the copycat killer. And then when Abigail is essentially confronted by this guy in a, a, a scene in which this entire house is supposedly being protected by the police... And everyone fucking gets into it. We can't. We we can't stress enough how how just comically inept everybody is in this episode. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's like the Keystone Cops, and I guess it has to be in order for all this to happen. But you know, Abigail, just as she discovers that uh, all of the decorative touches in the house are actually made of human beings, uh, he saunders in and goes, "Oh, by the way, I didn't kill your next door neighbor." And she knifes him in the gut, which is exactly what Alana did not want to have happen by sending her back home too quickly. Uh, And Hannibal, upon seeing this, manages to knock out Alana without her knowing who did it and then proposes to Abigail, let's hide the body. Now, this body is bleeding out everywhere. I don't know how they're able to do this. I can only assume that they rolled up the carpet, but then you would think that maybe someone, hey, wasn't there a carpet here an hour ago? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's still a blood stain outside the front stoop, and yet they're able to clean it up on the, I mean, hey, okay, whatever. It's a TV show. All right, okay. (laughs) But but now the, the cards are on the table because earlier he's pretty much threatened by Abigail that she knows he called the house in episode one. But now they have leverage over each other, or so she believes. And now they're like a a, a serial killer version of Paper Moon. Yeah. <laughs> Father and daughter and, hitting the road. Yes. And of course and, and of course that feeds into the you know, the long history of Hannibal Lecter, who sort of collects serial killers. Or people who at least have murdered one or two people. And they're just everywhere, apparently. 
Yeah. I mean, he, you're going to come away like if you if you're first time watching this show, you're going to like you right now everybody's like still staying home where you should be at least, but you're going to go outside, you're going to be looking around people, you're just going to kind of doing that like that that fry from Futurama thing, your eyes get really narrow and like look at people. <laughs> It, yes, it doesn't. You have to know people very well in order to trust them after watching a couple of episodes of Hannibal back to back. It doesn't uh, serve up humanity as a great place, which may you be know, more I, observant I, than I want to give it credit. Either have killed people or are thinking about killing people. Yes. Um, and are very creative and artistic about it. Yes, very much so. We, we get another mounting in this particular episode. Uh, in which Abigail's uh, next door neighbor friend Marissa uh, is mounted on elk uh, antlers at the cabin, and <laughs> so that's really our main death here. Um, and, and, oh no, and we also because that kid gets stabbed gets in the gut. Stabbed in the gut. So if Boy, he, he lost choose... a lot of blood. Oh well, it's like he was made of blood or something, and or it all had pooled in his, in his tummy, and uh, all needed <laughs> is a pop. Uh, so if you if we were to play Choose Your Own Death Venture, of the two deaths that are seen in this particular episode of Hannibal, which one would you choose and why? I I, I mentioned in the first episode I am a fan of the mounted on deer antlers. I think I yeah. think it's uh, I, I think it's artistic. Yeah. I don't think people will ever forget you. You mm-hmm. know. Yes. Again, I am aware I would be unclothed for this, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I'll be she dead. at least gets underwear. That's it's, true. It's, That's true. They can leave my underwears on. I'll, I'll be. I'll be fine. I won't. I won't yeah. mind it as much. But like I said, I mean that. That's a you know. That's some showmanship. Yeah, it is. And uh, you, the alternative is to get is to get knifed in the tummy and then disappear, and then you have to wear that denim jacket and yeah, it's no. flouncy hair. No. I'm not into it. Uh, mount me, uh, cowboy. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, oh my! It didn't turn out well. <laughs> Hannibal well, after I mean, dark. it turned out fine, <laughs> I guess. Mm, sure. Sure, why not? Um, yeah, listen, a lot of things have become unmoored in our uh, in our lives. Uh, so, sure, um, that that's potage, everybody. Um, and so uh, here's the deal with uh, Dish by Dish. It comes out every other week that Kill by Kill isn't on. And if you want to hear episodes in advance of everyone else, you can join us at our Kill by Kill Patreon and have exclusive access a little bit earlier than everyone else. Um, that's up to you. Um, and let's, I can't, oh boy, now I have to go and see if I understand what's happening next. But we got another episode coming up. Anyways, uh, for myself yeah, but and so for Gina. We have a ton of episodes banked. We're, we're, we're rolling in it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for myself and for Gina, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.